Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. And before we get started, we'll say a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us as we study from his word. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us and for all of the many blessings. Lord, we thank you for your love that you have for us, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Lord, you have given us everything, the air that we breathe, the clothes that we have, the food. Lord, even the trials and the temptations that we endure, you are right there with us, walking it with us and helping us through it. And we thank you so much for all of that. Lord, give us the strength that we need to overcome. Help us to want to get rid of sin. Help us to want to be more like you and help us as we continue this Christian walk so that we can be with you for all of eternity. And we ask all these many wonderful, precious things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. Okay, so I want to talk about something that a lot of people probably talk about, but a lot of us still kind of wonder what it is, I think. Because, and here's my theory, is that this subject ever expounds, and there's still so much that we can learn from it. Because it might seem simple, but in actuality, it is pretty deep. And that subject is grace. Grace is actually a lot of different things in the Christian world. Grace can mean forgiveness for somebody, even though they don't deserve it. Grace can mean that you let something go even though you want to, or accepting something when it makes you feel bad. For instance, accepting help when you need it and not letting pride get in your way. That's an example. Grace is also forgiveness of our own sins. Accepting God's grace is a beautiful, wonderful gift, and we are so privileged to get it and to receive it. And we are to grow in grace, we are told, and in the knowledge of the Lord. The Bible talks of people people who found grace in the Lord's sight. Noah found grace in the Lord's eyes, we're told in Genesis 6, 8. And why do you think all of these people like Noah and Jacob, Abraham and Moses and all of the other people that found grace in the Lord's eyes, why do you think that is? It's because they were willing to follow the Lord when he told them to do something. They were willing to give up all for him and to lay all on the altar. And in the case of Abraham, he literally laid his son on the altar because he had faith and trust in the Lord that everything would work out. His faith was rewarded. Grace and faith seem to be working hand in hand, and that is an interesting thing when you really study it out. Now, how do we obtain grace in the eyes of the Lord? Well, we too must give up everything and be willing to lay it all on the altar. We should lay ourselves on the altar, and it doesn't matter what it is that we are doing. It doesn't matter what it is that we are holding on to. We must be willing to give it up, and this concept comes up again and again and again, and it is like this main central focus of the Christian walk, which is true. And we need it to be true in our lives because if we are not willing to give up these things, we will not be in heaven. I mean, even Jesus, when he was down here on the earth, he grew in grace, like Luke 2 40 says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I want that kind of grace to be upon me. I mean, we need to pray for grace. We need to accept grace by faith and live out grace through others when they need it. It's not just asking you to receive, but also give too. When somebody does something wrong against us, we must be willing to forgive and forget. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to invite them back into your lives totally, depending on what they did, but you know, forgive them and move on and hold no ill will toward them. And that's sometimes a very hard thing to do. Now, Acts 15 11 says, but we believe that through the grace 
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. So grace is what makes us be saved in Christ, because we believe that God is gracious toward us, that he forgives us of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And that is what true grace is, forgiveness of sins. And that is simple, but so deep, because you can expound on grace and really be humbled by grace. If we are humbled by grace, we will be so filled with thankfulness and love and tenderheartedness toward the Lord that we fall on our knees and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, because we realize that a precious gift of grace. That's why when John Newton finally repented of his sins as a slave trader and all of the crimes that he had committed and realized the error of his ways, and when he wrote Amazing Grace, he realized as he was writing this how beautiful it was to receive God's grace and for the forgiveness of sins, no matter how bad those sins are, if we are truly repentant, we can be forgiven. Our slate will be wiped clean, white as snow. And that is a beautiful gift that nobody can take away from us. And a lot of people will judge us for our past and for the things that we did, but nobody can take away the forgiveness that God gives us. We can just move forward in Christ as a new creation, as a new creature with a new heart and move forward in his strength through faith, believing and accepting that we have been changed and that we are no longer our old selves. And we have to prove it sometimes through perseverance and through change. I mean, Paul is a great example of this because he killed a lot of people and helped put away a lot of people in prison, all of the Christians. And he thought he was doing right and he thought he was on the right. But then when he was struck down in Damascus and the Lord appeared unto him and told him that he was doing wrong and that he was persecuting him, he realized the error of his ways and he repented and fasted and prayed and cried for three days and three nights. And then he was baptized and he was forgiven and made a new man. And his past wasn't held against him and he was accepted. I mean, yeah, first the people were kind of skeptical about him. They thought it was a ruse that he was doing in order to get them in prison, but he had to prove to them that he was sincere and that he really did love the Lord. And sometimes that is what we have to do, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth it. We have to be willing to do what is necessary. We have to admit times that when we are wrong and admit that we didn't always know what we were doing and that now working together with Christ, we are trying to go forward and make a change. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are redeemed through the blood of the lamb and his grace fills us. His forgiveness fills us. His mercy forgives us and we are made new in Christ. Romans 5.15 says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And then also Romans 5.17 says, By one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So it is through grace and the gift of grace that we are given the gift of righteousness, and that we will be able to reign with Christ forever. There is so many beautiful passages about grace. Romans 5.20 says, Moreover the law entered, that the offense might abound, but 
where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So whereas sin is prevalent in this day and age, and so many people are getting away with so many horrible things, grace is much more abundant than where sin is. Grace overrides sin. And that is a beautiful thing to think about. We shall not continue in sin. We must let grace abound. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but we are under grace, Romans 6.14 says. We have to realize that grace is there waiting for us. We must pray and ask for it to have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with us. And Paul tells us the same thing in Romans 16.24. It's like a prayer he is saying to the Lord because even at the end of the sentence, he says amen as if he's praying to the Lord for himself and for everybody else that the grace will be with all of us. And it's amazing to think that something so simple and so easy can also be something so complex that you could study it for hours and still realize and marvel how beautiful a gift grace is. To have all of your sins just be wiped away clean. I mean, it's mind-boggling. And sometimes it's harder to forgive ourselves than it is for the Lord to forgive us of our sins. But we also have to be truly repentant of our sins. We can't just sin and then ask for forgiveness and then go about it and do it again as if nothing happened. No, we must strive to be overcomers through Christ. We must pray when temptation comes our way. We must cling to the altar and say, Lord, please let me not fall back into temptation. Give me your grace. Give me your forgiveness. Help me to not want the things that I used to want. Help me to hate sin. Help me to be a different person and help me not to fall backwards. And that is where a lot of us falter and fail because we forget that we have all of these avenues in our pathway that the Lord would send every angel out of heaven to keep us from sin because he wants us to have his grace and he wants us to show that grace to others because he is a gracious loving heavenly being and many people think God is this tyrant because of all of the horrible evil wickedness that goes on in the world but we have to show them that God is gracious and that it's not because he doesn't love us that all of these bad things are happening but he's to show us that the result of sin is leads to all of these horrible wicked things the Lord doesn't give us more than we are able to handle. And now I want to read some quotes that talk about grace. She says in the Review and Herald, May 24, 1892, paragraph 5, it is no real evidence that you are a Christian because your emotion is stirred, your spirit stirred by truth. The question is, are you growing up into Christ, your living head? Is the grace of Christ manifested in your life? God gives his grace to men that they may desire more of his grace. God's grace is ever working upon the human heart. And when it is received, the evidence of its reception will appear in the life and character of its recipient. For spiritual life will be seen developing from within. The grace of Christ in the heart will always promote spiritual life and spiritual advancement will be made. We each need a personal savior or we shall perish in our sins. Let the question be asked of our souls. Are we growing up into Christ, our living head? Am I gaining advanced knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ whom he hath sent. We do not see the plants grow in the field, and yet we are assured that they do grow. And may we not know of our own spiritual strength and growth? Growth in grace does not come without much earnest prayer, without the humbling of self at every step. Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not abide. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go 
going thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The sum and substance of the whole matter of Christian grace and experience is contained in believing on Christ, in knowing God and his Son whom he hath sent. But here is where many fail, for they lack faith in God. Instead of desiring to be brought into fellowship with Christ in his self-denial and humiliation, they are ever seeking for the supremacy of self. As long as they will not fall upon the rock and be broken, they cannot appreciate the love of the character of God. We may be one with Christ, but we must be willing to yield our own way and our own will, and have the mind that was in Christ, that we may know what it is to have a fellowship with him in humiliation and suffering. Our ideas are too contracted. We must have more expanded views of Christ and the character of his work. Oh, if we did but appreciate the love of God, how our hearts would be expanded, our limitless sympathies would be enlarged, and break away from the icy barriers of selfishness, and our comprehension would be deeper than it now is, for we should look beneath the surface. We must humble ourselves. And that was through paragraph eight. I wanted to make a note of that because these paragraphs are really amazing and really tell us how it is. We must humble ourselves. We must tell it like it is. We must look at ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves. Like, okay, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I need to change about my character and take a good harsh look. And that is hard. We must be broken down. We must yield ourselves. And we don't like to do that because that means change. And we don't want to change. We want to continue what we're doing because we either like doing it or because it's too hard or because we're in our comfortable little zones and we don't want to be pushed out of our comfort zone. But how are we ever going to succeed if we are not broken upon the rock? We are told we can't. We must be humble. We must suffer. We must get out of our comfort zone and we must be in that fellowship with Christ in order to gain that true grace and that true connection with Christ and to be saved with him. We must get rid of our selfishness. We must get rid of those barriers and we must look deeper and beneath the surface if we ever hope to get into heaven. And that is hard and it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of prayer, but we can do it if we are willing to put in the time. How often do we put in the time for the things that we like to do and enjoy doing? We must put in the time equally because this is by far more important than anything we could ever be doing upon this earth because this earth isn't going to be around much longer. This world is just a temporary home. Our true home is yet to come. And what home would we rather be in? A temporary home or one that will be with forever with love and true friendship and without all of the wickedness and sin of the world and without the world falling apart and groaning under the weight of the sin. We won't want a fresh start. We want to be with people who love us for who we truly are, who accept us, who believe in us, who are their fellowship is sweet unto us. And most importantly, to fellowship with the Lord. This is what we are looking forward to. And this is what grace can supply for us. So whereas many people think grace is simple, it is so much deeper than what we even realize. And it is amazing and beautiful and something that we will probably still be researching and studying and understanding in heaven. She says this, there is no need of our being ignorant. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. The exhortation is given, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How is it possible that we may grow in grace? It is possible to us only as we empty our hearts of self and present them to heaven. To be molded after the divine pattern, we may have a connection with the living channel of life. We may be refreshed with the heavenly dew and have the showers of heaven 
heaven descend upon us. As we appropriate the blessing of God, we shall be able to receive greater measures of his grace. As we learn to endure as seeing him who is invisible, we shall become changed into the image of Christ. The grace of Christ will not make us proud, cause us to be lifted up in self, but we shall become meek and lowly in heart. It was the grace of Christ that made Moses the meekest man on earth. As we learn of the divine master, we shall manifest this precious attribute. How long did it take Moses to learn the lessons of meekness and become fitted to be a general and to lead the armies of Israel out of Egypt? He went through a long discipline. For 40 years he tended sheep in the land of Midian, learning how to be a good shepherd to the flock. In his position of shepherd, he was called upon to care for the weak, to guide the wayward, to seek for the wandering. This was an essential training for him who was to be the leader of Israel. For in the care of the flock of God, he would be called upon to nourish the weak, to instruct the wayward, and to bring the lost one back to the fold. This is the work of the follower of Christ. We are to watch for souls as they that must give an account, to do all in our power that those with whom we associate may grow to the full stature of men and women in Christ. We are to realize to what we are called in Christ, for by faith we are attained unto his righteousness. Since this is the standard for our attainment, how can any of us be satisfied with our present attainments? If we have been dwelling upon things seen and temporal, let us turn our attention to the things unseen and eternal. Let us not wait for a revival in the church or for a special conviction, but realizing our need and knowing that all heaven is at our command, let us now yield our hearts to God. Let us not think that we may wait until some conference meeting or until a large company is called forward to seek God's blessing. It is best for us to awake individually, today yielding our hearts to God. Decide now to dedicate yourselves to Him, not only as a congregation, but as individuals. Decide to seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Do not wait one for another. Do not look upon you to see if your neighbor is going to make the surrender, but realizing that each one of us may give an account of himself to God, that we have a living Savior who is our substitute and surety. Draw nigh to God. Signs of the Time, January 16, 1893, paragraph 2 and 3. This is really powerful. We don't need to wait for some special feeling. We don't need to wait for revival or meetings or wait for any of that stuff. We must realize our need of a Savior and accept it and go and get it for ourselves. We can take hold of our own salvation and we can be the influence that other people's need. We need to be the influence that these people see and that, so that they may grow in grace and accept the grace and they can receive the power that we have. That is why it is so important for us to reach out and watch for the souls. We are to be a witness to people. We are to be the light that they see in the darkness and we must get that light from Christ. We cannot wait for feelings and emotions to guide us to tell us what to do. Feelings and emotions can betray us. They can lead us down a dark pathway, the pathway to the broad street. We must rely on something much more powerful and much more sure. We must rely on the rock, which is Christ. We must get our light straight from the source and not stray from the right hand or to the left hand because that is what will lead us back into darkness. We must keep our eyes focused on Christ and we must pray. This is the only way that we will have surety, that we will be with him forever. And when we accept that gift and when we plead for it and when we go and ask for help, he will give us because the Bible gives us such great and precious promises. Ask and ye shall receive. That is pretty plain language. And we have to believe by faith that when we ask 
ask these things, he will give it to us. In fact, Signs of the Times, January 16, 1893, paragraph 5, says, When Christ's righteousness is your plea, you will be accepted in the beloved. Jesus encourages us to present his merit at the throne. He says, If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh, educate the soul to believe the promises of God. Would he make such promises if he did not love us? We are his purchased property, bought at an infinite price. Would you know the manner of love that has been bestowed upon you? I point you to the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ died in behalf of the world. Our heavenly father has valued us at the price of Jesus. And having been bought at such a cost, what right have we to spend our God-given capabilities in the service of the world and sin? What right have we to fritter away our time to use our talents in aiding the work of the powers of darkness? Set your affections on things above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. It means something to be a Christian, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. To what? To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. But we are preparing for such an inheritance when the mind is all full of lightness and trifling and folly, when we devote our God-given time to that which has no substance value. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and that he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And we are to commune with God through the agency of the Holy Spirit, and when we pray, the Spirit helpeth in our infirmities. This is so amazing to think about, that we have all of these precious promises, and that we can cling to them, and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, and He will come to our aid and our benefit to get us through and to help us. We have such a rich storehouse available for us, but we don't take advantage of it. And I'm at fault just as much as anybody else because there are times when I forget to pray. There are times where I forget the precious promises, where I forget that I can go and get the help that I need to get out of the situation that I found myself in, where I don't have to fall for temptation and the lies of the devil. And we have to train our minds to go and do these things. It is no different than when we form any other habit. We have to make a concerted effort to change our ways and to form new pathways. And we can do it with his help. And it is so awesome to realize the precious gifts that we are given. And we should meditate on his goodness and his love and his grace throughout the day, morning, noon, and night. David told us to pray morning, noon, and night. Daniel gave us an example to pray morning, noon, and night. And in fact, in the same article in paragraph nine, she says, at morning, noon, and night, we should meditate upon the goodness and love of God that we may know God, for this is life eternal. The Father has given the best gift, the greatest treasure of heaven to us, and we are of value to God and should render praise to him. But when we surround ourselves with a dark atmosphere, we forget that the Father knows our trials and has sent them to us in love. The praise that should reach him never comes to his throne, for our affections are not centered upon him. That is sad indeed when we lose sight of that, and we have all been guilty of that. We must think of the wonderful things that the Lord has done for us. And yeah, trials and tribulations are hard, but they are sent to us in love to help make us stronger, to help get us through the harder times that are to come upon us, to grow our character and strength, and to teach us that we can rely on him 
through every trial and situation and circumstance, whatever it might be. We can fall and trust in the Lord. He's telling us that we can trust him. He shows us we can trust him. We must accept it by faith. And that is what true grace is all about. Not only accepting that Christ can forgive us and does forgive us, but grace believing that he loves us and accepts us and wants to help us. That also is a part of what grace is really about. That is why it is really amazing grace because it encompasses all of these things and it brings it full circle, believing in faith that Christ loves us so much and that the Father loves us and the Holy Spirit loves us and that all three of them are working together to make it possible for us. We have no excuse. We must be willing is all. We must be willing to break down every single part of ourselves and so that it is filled not with ourselves but with them living in us, with their love shining through us and with us manifesting their light unto others so that they see in us the love that we ourselves are experiencing. And when people see that in us, they will want to know what we have. I mean, not everybody is going to accept it and that is sad indeed, but that doesn't mean we don't try to make them see it. That doesn't mean we give up on them because Christ doesn't give up on us or those people. And it is sad to know that not everybody is going to accept the grace of Christ and to cherish it as the gift that it really is. And she says in Review and Herald, January 4th, 1887, paragraph 10, that, but for the Christian, there is joy, there is peace, there is long suffering, gentleness, meekness, forbearance, and patience. And to these things, we want to open the door of our heart, cherishing the heavenly graces of the Spirit of God. Are we, every one of us, doing this? One cannot do it for another. You may set to work and obtain the graces of the Spirit, but that will not answer for me. There may be 40 or 50 here who will set about cultivating these Christian graces, but that will not do for the remainder of you. Each one individually must do the work and determine through personal efforts to have the grace of God in the heart. I cannot form a character for you, nor can you for me. It is a burden that rests upon everyone individually, young or old. And this is what we must make known to the people. We must show that the Lord loves them and we can show them all of these things, but ultimately the decision is ours to make. We must accept it for ourselves. It is an individual matter and we must be willing to believe it and accept it. All of these things work together. It's not one or the other. You have to have everything. You have to have grace. You have to have faith. You have to have belief in the Lord and all of this working together. And yes, it may seem like a lot, but in actuality, it is a day-by-day process breaking ourselves upon the Lord. That is why the Paul said, I die daily because every single day is a different battle, is a different thing to worry about. And the Bible even tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You just take one day at a time and do your best that day. And we can do it through the Lord. And then we must believe his promises. And we are given these promises for a reason because he knows that we are weak and we think that we can't do these things. But he also assures us that we cannot do it of ourselves, but with his help, we are able to do it and we can accept his grace and be saved through faith and we must share that faith and grace with the world because it is a beautiful gift that they deserve so with that being said i want to sing the song amazing grace that john newton wrote because it is a beautiful song and it is a beautiful hymn and everybody is familiar with this song 
song and almost too familiar because they don't really take the time to listen to the lyrics and to really contemplate on them because this hymn as well known as it is it is deeply profound and deeply amazing when you think of it and really contemplate how truly amazing grace is and so without further ado amazing grace amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now am found was blind but now i see twas grace that on my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour i first believed the lord hath promised good to me his word my hope secures he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun and how truly amazing is that grace and it is grace that taught our hearts to fear and grace that those fears relieved. Think about these words, contemplate them, and really study and search this out for yourself because there are so many Bible verses about grace. There are so many things in the spirit of prophecy about grace. Study to show yourself approved. Study it out for yourself because it is truly an amazing topic and I could have said so much more about it, but I really just hope you get what I was trying to say that how beautiful a gift it is and how much we need it in our lives and how much we need to show the world God's grace and love for them. For while we were yet sinners, he found us and died for us and saved us. And we must share that with the world because it is truly an amazing gift given to us and one that we should be happy to receive. Remember what it says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.